This episode of the New Jersey Living Podcast, we are going to take another dive back into the mortgage discussion. And this one is not framed around buyers as much as our initial episode was. Today, I have a friend and colleague and partner that I've been partnering with on multiple deals. His name is Kevin Handerhan uh, with Guild Mortgage. So Kevin's going to dive into a few things today. Kevin, you can jump in with a quick uh, hello, any kind of words you want to share. How's it going? Nice to meet you. Happy to be here. Corey's a great man. All right. Thanks, Kev. So uh, that wasn't required by Kevin. That's just, you know, what he's throwing in. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, Kev, we can talk a little basketball, too, because I know I know your alma mater had a quick run a few years back, but then lost your coach to Seton Hall, right? Yes, we did. Mr. Yes. Shaheen Holloway. Right? Indeed. Indeed. And my son's now at Seton Hall, sophomore year this coming year. So we're, we're hoping for some uh, tournament action this coming year, but we'll see. I hope so, too. I don't know, though. I don't know. Big East looks good, buddy. (laughs) It does. It does. All right. So uh, let's take a dive now into today's episode. Welcome to New Jersey Living, the podcast where we explore all things New Jersey real estate. I'm your host, Corey Jones, a real estate agent with Coldwell Banker and team leader of the New Jersey Living Group. We're a team of experienced agents who specialize in residential sales in several counties ranging from Bergen County in northern New Jersey to Ocean County down the shore. On this podcast, we will talk to real estate experts, local business owners, community leaders, and town officials to get the inside scoop on various towns in New Jersey. We'll discuss everything from the latest market trends to featured local attractions with dining, recreation, and entertainment. Whether you're a current resident, prospective buyer or just curious about New Jersey real estate, we have something for you. So sit back, relax, and join us for a conversation about all things New Jersey living. All right. So as I mentioned in the intro, we have with us today, Kevin Handerhan. He is with Guild Mortgage. And Kev, we are going to really dive into a conversation about pre-approvals because we know uh, that this is a critical first step in the purchase process. And we had a conversation about that for first-time buyers in our episode last week. But this week, we really want to approach it from a perspective of both a buyer and seller and how to determine what is the best-positioned pre-approval. And with you specifically, one thing that I've always loved about your approach and practice is uh, pursuing the um, pre-underwritten pre-approval process. So just give us a little idea of what that is and what it entails. Sure. Yeah. So basically what it comes down to in this business, I think more than anything right now is who is willing to be the most thorough with their buyers up front to put them in the very best position that they could be to win a bid on a home, really. You know, and and, you know, the truth is in the business right now, it's more important than ever. And people really over the top appreciate, you know, being thorough with them, making sure they understand the advantages they have, you know, with certain programs like this. So what we do with basically every buyer we take in is we try to, in a nutshell, treat them sort of like they're almost under contract from day one. Okay. Which is very unique in the business because uh, your standard commonplace, you know, mortgage pre pre qualification or pre approval in this business is not thorough at all okay it is you know a kind of a throw it against the wall and we'll see if it sticks and we'll deal with it once they go under contract and that's the common consensus in the mortgage business 
And it's kind of unfortunate because there's a lot of mortgage companies, mortgage banks out there, you know, that struggle to be able to do the work for people up front. That's super important simply because they don't have enough operational power to be able to do all these things up front before the customer's actually under contract and they feel they're actually going to close a loan with them, right? Right. So uh, to kind of revert, to make it as, as, as easy as I can here, there's, there's two things that as a buyer that you need to prove to the mortgage company, to the bank, to the loan originator, and to the underwriter in the mortgage company in order to be able to close on a mortgage, okay? The first thing is very simply showing that you have the intent to repay the loan, okay? And the second is that you have the ability to repay the loan, okay? And as simple as we can put it, people that close on a mortgage prove to the mortgage company, to the loan officer, to the underwriter that they have both the intent and ability to repay, okay? If you only have one, you're not getting the loan, okay? Now, first, let's talk about intent. What does that mean? What, what, What do you have to do to prove that you have the intent to repay a mortgage? Very simply, it all comes down to your credit, your credit report, your credit score, your credit history, okay? So the intent piece of getting a mortgage is something that basically for the most part is always verified to some degree upfront in order to issue a pre-qualification or pre-approval letter, okay? Reason being is because for the, again, for the most part, there isn't any mortgage companies out there except for a few online lenders, right? That won't give a, that will give a pre-approval you know, without, you know, pulling a credit report and reviewing that credit report. Right. Okay. So again, the credit report tells us the intent to repay. It gives us the customer's credit score. You know, obviously, the higher the credit score, the more intent to repay. The lower the credit score, the more of a risk the customer may not repay. Okay. And along with the credit score, we also analyze the credit history. Okay. Because just because someone might have a pretty decent or pretty good credit score, it doesn't mean that they may not have had hiccups in the past that could prevent them from actually closing and getting their mortgage. You know, and does DTI, debt to income, factor into this particular piece? This piece, no. This okay. piece is simply what is the customer's credit profile? Because the credit profile tells us their intent to repay. In other words, if we pull someone's credit, and for the past 10 years, they've never made a late payment. You know, they keep all their bills on time. They have minimal debt. They have almost perfect credit. That person clearly has a phenomenal intent to repay. It's all factual data right on the credit report that we look at up front. Okay. So again, the intent piece is the one piece of getting a mortgage closed, you know, that is actually pretty consistently verified to some degree before a pre-qualification or pre-approval letter is issued. Okay, because again, for the most part, every lender out there won't issue a pre-qualification or pre-approval letter with at least not looking at the credit first. Make sense? Right. Yep. Perfect. Yes. Now, the second piece to obtaining a loan is the ability to repay. And this is where the problem lies, because the vast majority of, and when I say vast majority, 99.9% of pre-qualification and pre-approval letters the ability to repay piece has not in any way been reviewed or documented, okay? Because again, going back, the credit report piece is easy. The customer doesn't have to provide anything other than 
you know, a, 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 a verbal or written, you know, acceptance of us looking into their credit. Okay. So and that's just something to speak that, to that point, Kev. And, and this is just by experience, both you and I have experienced these scenarios where we have uh, a lender that has an online process that promotes, you can get this quick and convenient pre-approval letter, right? Yes. They get that pre-approval letter, gives them an amount that they want. And by and large, they're ready to go look at homes without that really have any verification at all, right? There's yeah. no strength or substance yeah. behind that letter other than an approval for a credit score. So even if that credit score is cool. good, we don't have a full picture, right? Correct. And the other important piece to, uh, to the credit report piece is, again, it's the only thing that typically pre-approvals or pre-qualifications are really based off of up front. And typically, it's only been reviewed by the loan originator. And the loan originator is not even the one who actually grants the mortgage. Yes. That's the underwriter. Correct. Okay. And again, for the most part, the file never hits underwriting until the customer goes under contract. Under contract. Right? Correct. So, Yes, we look at the credit report, you know, but there could be easily be something that was missed on that credit report by the loan originator that the underwriter it sees and says, wait, this is a problem with the loan. OK, give you an example there. For instance, just one quick example. You have a customer who, you know, maybe has a buyer who has a, you know, a, a 690 credit score. Everything looks good. OK. And then by the time it gets to underwriting, when they're under contract, the underwriter sees, wait, hold on. This customer has $10,000 of disputed accounts on their credit report in collection status. That's a problem because disputed accounts cannot remain on a credit report in order to close a loan. They have to come off credit unless they're under a certain mark. Okay. So point being is often we see this where, you know, customers go under contract and they come back to us and the whole time there was information on their credit report that was avoiding them from getting a mortgage in the first place. Okay. So Correct. again, the intent piece though, at least with the intent piece of buying a home, credit is usually reviewed and hopefully reviewed well by the loan originator upfront. Okay. And now to jump to in there, just, uh, I'm sorry, Kev, but a quick point, cause we were saying how this is not just relevant to the buyers out there that are looking for what's my best strategy, if you will. Uh, or approach to having a strong offer to put on the table. This is for sellers also, because as a seller, imagine you accept this offer, all right, and it has not seen the eyes of an underwriter yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a situation like this right now, albeit I'm on the beneficiary side of it because I represent a buyer who was in a backup position. And it was discovered that this particular buyer had collection issues with IRS that never came up until it hit underwriting, right? So now Mm -hmm. as a seller, you spent maybe five, six weeks into what looks like a sale that's going to actually consummate, right? And it doesn't because there's this issue and either you're going to go back to square one of putting that home back on the market or hopefully, as was the case in this scenario, we have a backup offer ready to step in. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what? Again, that could easily be done just with a a credit report review that wasn't thorough, okay? Got it. But- even more importantly than that piece, we talked about the intent piece and in that there at least is factual data in front of the mortgage company that is somewhat reviewed on the credit side. That's the intent piece. So the intent piece to some degree is reviewed and somewhat documented up front. Now, the biggest problem really is not credit. The biggest problem is the second piece of getting a mortgage, which is the ability to repay the loan. 
the ability to repay the loan is simply measured based on a few major factors. One, income, job stability, right? So income and job stability, okay? And income compared to debt. How much debt is there? Debt to income ratios you mentioned before. Right. That ties into what's the customer's income, okay? How much debt do they have against them? And how much money can they really qualify for? Okay, again, the credit report tells us the debt they have, but that's about it. And the biggest problem really that we see is more so not people having issues with credit, it happens a lot, but more so people having issues with, I told the lender that I make $90,000 a year. I went and found a house, right? I went under contract and I'm mad at the lender now because they won't do the loan because they say they can only use $70,000 a year of my 90,000. I'm using an example there, you know, but in that case, for instance, what might've happened is the customer upfront simply gave the, the lender, the mortgage company information. The mortgage company asks, how much money do you make? They say $90,000. When the documents are reviewed by the underwriter, the underwriter sees, wait, hold on, okay, $20,000 of that, you know, was a bonus that, that, that the customer received that they're not going to receive next year. It was a one-time bonus and it's performance-based. We're not going to use that. Okay. Now that customer was no longer even approved at what they should have been, at what they said that they were approved for because they were approved based on what they told the lender. And unfortunately the customer, the buyer doesn't know the difference. The buyer knows they made $90,000 last year. That's, that's all they know. They don't Got know it. that the lender can't use overtime income sometimes. They don't know that the lender maybe can't use, you know, bonus income, things like that. Okay. Quick question. This is just uh, sparked a question in my mind. Um, with income that's bonus based or overtime based, mm. if that's demonstrated over multiple years, right? Mm. Does that yes. then factor in on the lender's side of things? It does. So accepting? the way the guideline typically works with any income that is supplemental, supplemental income means any income that is not a guaranteed salary, okay, or an hourly wage at 40 hours, okay? So bonus income, commission, overtime, all of that income is considered supplemental income. Supplemental income, and this is industry standard, will only be used if the lender can document it's been consistent for at least two years, 24 months, okay? And that it will remain consistent moving forward for at least typically another 36 months, okay? Again, these are things that are never verified up front. Right. And everything that lenders do nowadays is information-based. The client told me this is what they make. Here's your pre-approval, okay? And it's a big problem because it blows up in people's faces all day long and customers and buyers don't understand what happened, right? I don't, I don't understand. Why can't I use that income? Well, because the mortgage guidelines are the mortgage guidelines, you know, right. and it right. comes down to lenders need to figure out how to be thorough with people and explain to them the important pieces that they need to know up front. So again, what we do is we just try to analyze everything up front based on actual document review. Okay. If a customer tells me that they make X amount of money, right? I'm not going to take your word for it. Okay. Because I want to make sure if I'm going to give you a loan and I'm going to put you out there with Corey looking at houses, I'm going to give you the best chance to win a bid on a home. And if you win a bid on a home and move forward, we're going to close the deal very efficiently, effectively, and quickly. 
And how does that happen? It happens by doing the legwork up front, collecting the paperwork, and not just me reviewing the paperwork, but my underwriter whose license actually grants them the mortgage being the one to review the paperwork. Okay. What does that time frame look like, Kev? Typically, uh, it, it really depends on, on, on how quickly the customer gets us their documentation and what kind of documentation we need from the customer. You know, because sometimes you have customers that, you know, they've got four jobs in the past 24 months. Okay. They've got whatever it may be. So, uh, right. but typically from the time frame that the customer gives us the documentation that we need to be able to fully approve the file with the underwriter, uh, typically about roughly one to three business days, depending on, you know, workload, depending on the time of year. Um, if it's something typically from, if it's a rush in the customer, I got to be in a house in the next three weeks, four weeks, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to have nowhere to live. I need to you know, get after this right away. We will expedite that. Typically have it done within 24 hours. And obviously there's a expiration date. There's a time frame for any pre-approval. Right. Yes. So for the pre underwritten in that process, that's going to give them clearance for how how much time, what kind of time, what kind of window we're looking at. Right. So the the only thing that really expires when it comes to a, you know, a fully approved loan uh, is the credit report, uh, because the credit report typically is only going to be good for a maximum of, of 120 days. There are lenders that will cap your credit report maximum at 60 days in 90 days. Technically, the highest allowable in the business is 120 days. So four months from the day you applied, your credit report expires typically. Okay. So outside of that, think about it this way. If we approve a customer, you know, their, their approval remains the same if all their qualifications remain the same. If they stay with the same job, keep working the same hours, right? Don't apply for new debt, you know, and don't spend all the money in their bank account. It's all the same. Nothing's changing there. Okay, so typically the, the qualification piece, if the customer, the buyer remains consistent with their income, their hours work, their assets, you know, what they're you know, not applying for new debt through the process, those things, you know, it remains the same. It doesn't change. The only thing that does expire typically over time uh, is the credit report. And one of the things we do for people, Corey, and you've seen this before, it's really pretty cool, is we do have the ability up front to actually do a soft credit pull for customers. And if we do a soft credit pull and not a hard credit inquiry, and we're able to execute that for a customer, technically the credit window never started because a hard pull wasn't done. So typically upfront, when I feel the new customer, I will do a soft credit pull and I'll analyze the file and see, is it possible for us to approve you without having to do a hard credit pull? Okay. If it is, it takes away the, any window and technically the approval becomes valid even for if it takes six to 12 months for them to find a house because the credit report window hasn't hasn't opened. Right? right. And the credit is not expiring. And again, going down to it really comes down to the buyer keeping their things in line, keeping their job, keeping their hours. And again, on my end, just being as thorough as I can be with all of my buyers and all of the people I work with. We make sure people fully understand that. So that they can't come back to us in three months and say, I didn't know I couldn't apply for a car loan. That's or, what I'm about to or, say. Do not take on any new debt, right? You don't want to hear of new, no new car payments, right? Right. <laughs> no, so so, so we educate new. those buyers yes. up front. Th these are the things you need to continue to do. Especially important, Corey, let's just say, again, going back to the instance where we're using overtime income or commission income or bonus income, any type of supplemental income for a buyer, you know, if we approve them, you know, it's important for that buyer to know 
hey, if you stop working those hours now, those overtime hours, right? You know, and you stop getting them because maybe, you know, business came down, your company's not giving them anymore, it was seasonal for a bit and, you're, and it's not consistent anymore, it's, it's, or your bonus is not coming up anymore at the end, whatever it is, right? If that supplement income is not remaining the same, it will affect how much we approve the loan for, okay? Right. So it's right. just important that we express, you know, to the customers what they need to understand and what they need to do moving forward and the important pieces, you know, to keep them in line and make sure that we're, you know, giving them the best possible chance, right, of winning a bid on, on over other competing offers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as I said at the beginning, um, this is important for buyers, no question about it, because what Kevin is mentioning, what he's diving into with a, with a, a nice deep dive. So I really appreciate uh, how well you're explaining, you know, both uh, contextually sure. and, and in substance, uh, the, the you. content you're talking about. For buyers, they don't always have that knowledge and appreciation for, I can just get that letter from anywhere. All right, because yeah. you do have some companies that do promote. I've worked with some directly that the, um, the you know the sale or the pitch in itself is you can get a pre-approval letter in like literally ten minutes, five minutes, right? No problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, as a buyer, you you think, okay, all right, quick, quick, easy. We live in that kind of society, right? Everything has to be quick, fast paced. Uh, until you get into that situation where you're dealing with, all right, my offer is being considered. I'm not even going to say accepted. My offer is being considered. And now the seller is going to sit here and they're going to critique these offers. And you know as well as I, right now, inventory is low, yeah. right? We hear that nationwide. It's even more so the case right here outside of New York City. We're in the suburbs of New York City, densely populated. You know, a lot of competition for homes. Um, a lot of people with very solid incomes with very low inventory. So that means that seller, and this applies to sellers as well, that seller needs to sit down and evaluate all these offers and they see this one, and if yours one of those letters that everybody knows, this is that company, right? This is that that lender that just yeah. says, "Hey, call, uh, don't even call in. Go online or go on this app and do this, and we'll spit out a letter right away. You're ready to go, sure. right? Yep. Sure. And that's not a good thing when you're trying to be competitive. All right. So, no, and and, and that go goes ahead. back to like I was saying before. There are some of these online companies that say, "Apply, click on what you think your credit score is. Here's a pre-approval." Right. Yes. Here's a pre Here's a pre-qualification letter yeah. because you told me you have a 700 credit score. When, yes. when that credit score really gets pulled, it could be a six. It could be a 580. We don't know. We have no Correct. idea what it is. Correct. Right. So and going back, Corey, what you said before is it is more important now than ever with a low inventory market to stand out. You've got to stand out. OK, you have to stand out. And how do you stand out? You do the work up front. Right. And you and you validate your approval. You know, so that when you put it in front of a seller, okay, if the seller has seven offers on the table and all of all six offers aside from ours say that they're based on information and our offer says it's fully underwritten, okay, fully approved and ready to close as quickly as we can get title and appraisal back. Okay. Which one are you accepting? It's I can very tell simple you on the sell side, Kev, and I can tell this for sellers that are out there, they're looking and even buyers who are eventually going to be in a situation where you're going to be the homeowner and a seller. It lights up like a Christmas tree when you see yep. a letter that says pre underwritten. All right. Yeah. Absolutely lights up like a Christmas tree. So on the sell side, for those who are owners out there who are, uh, well, thank you for tuning in for one, but you definitely want your agent and you yourself to fully evaluate, critique every offer to see if 
you see that pre underwritting uh, underwritten uh, indicator on the letter itself, because that will go a long way in informing you how truly ready and vetted that buyer is to purchase your home and consummate that transaction. Right. Super, yeah. super critical. Yeah. So and have you, we read? I was to say, you just said too. you know, part of my job, a part of my job is not just about the buyer. It's also about the sellers. Right. You know, and making sure, you know, that they feel very comfortable that they're accepting the best offer and that they're going to have the easiest and best mortgage process. Obviously, 90 percent, 95, 99 percent is focused on the buyer. That's my customer. Yeah. You know, right. but it's not just about the buyer. There's a lot of other people involved in real estate transactions. There's people yes. that need to they need to be out of their house in a certain time frame. It's important, you know, that sellers too understand the validity behind what they're accepting, if that makes sense. And one other piece before we close out, Kev, with that pre underwritten, that does have an implication on how quickly you can close as well. Is that right? Absolutely. Because think about it this way. Again, the general you know consensus in the business is we've got your contract. Now let's collect your paperwork. Let's collect your W-2s, your pay stubs, all the things. Now let's get it to underwriting. Let's have underwriting review. All that stuff takes a lot of time. So our thing is let's get it done up front. Let's do it up front so that it's all done so that when you go under contract, the goal is to try to put the buyer in a position where they go under contract. And if they want to close in two weeks, we can close in two weeks because we can get the appraisal back in a week or a week right. and a half, whatever it is. And that's you the know, main piece right there, right? Because our the underwriting goal, process is pretty much done. Our goal is to put buyers in a position consistently, okay, where they they win a bid on a home, and even if they want to wait to close for sixty days, it doesn't matter. The file should be clear to close in two to three weeks every time, okay, because the legwork on the buyer side should be done up front, okay, so that all we really need to focus on when the contract comes in is obviously making sure that we you know button up the buyer's documents and you know make sure that they're still at the job and all the things are in line, right. But we just focus on the house. We get the, you know, the inspection done, the appraisal back, the title back, both of them cleared, and we get the file clear to close, right? So we try to treat that every customer, regardless of their time frame, two-week close, 90-day close, right? They should be done as quickly as possible so that everybody says that's it and is very happy and everyone gives five-star reviews across the board. So that critical piece, again, on the buy side, you want to make sure that seller understands you are fully ready and prepared to close and that you can close quickly if necessary uh, and that you have been fully vetted. Right. So seller sellers obviously want to know that information as well because they want to make an informed decision that brings them to a definite closing date, not one that they just hope for. So uh, exactly. I'm going to. Uh, start wrapping it up here, but thank Kevin again. This won't be the last time we'll be up here talking about this uh, uh, general topic. Uh, we, we, you know what, Kev, we definitely got to come back when it's like tournament time in March, man. I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll do it before then too, but we've got to get some, uh, some like maybe regional New Jersey, New York, maybe even Connecticut based tournament talk, right? Once let's we get, get fired up. Let's, let's do it at, uh, at uh, Madison Square Garden for the Big East oh, tournament. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no doubt. That'll be excellent, right? <laughs> and for, I, I forgot to mention, so Kevin, I didn't mention school name. Kevin is a St. Peter's alum, so St. Peter's made that strong run. I mean, what, what was it? Uh, was it? Did he get to Elite Eight? I think Elite it was Elite Eight, Eight right? Elite yeah. Eight. It was a big deal. <laughs> Absolute huge deal right here in New Jersey. Jersey City was like just lit up, right? Jersey yeah, City was, was like, oh my gosh, yeah. It was the best. Quite yeah. a run, quite a run. So um, so thanks again for Kevin Handerhand. I'm going to flash up Kevin's uh, contact info right here uh, and definitely encourage you to reach out for him. This is just uh, one little component of 
uh, the business of mortgage that he uh, you know was able to get into. There's a lot more products and uh, options that he has for buyers out there. And uh, even for uh, sellers who are, you know, again, if you're looking for uh, just some insights from me on my side, I'd be glad to offer some in terms of that whole vetting process of offers. Uh, And even if you're just curious about what your market value, I always push the message of if you are a homeowner, absolutely know what your value is, even if you're not looking to sell a year from now, five years from now. 20 years from now, know your value. That's a major investment that you're sitting on uh, that you not only live in, but you're going to eventually cash out at some point or pass on uh, to to uh, family, to heirs. So um, thank you again for uh, the visit, Kevin. Uh, And for all of my followers, thank you for following. If you have not already done so, please do click like and click subscribe here to the New Jersey Living Podcast. Uh, We are also on YouTube for many of you all have been my YouTube followers and you've caught on to uh, the podcast by following me on YouTube. So thank you for your uh, support there. So until the next time, stay safe and stay tuned to New Jersey Living the podcast.